0: This is the CQ on Congress coronavirus special report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. I'm Sean Zeller. It's Friday, April 24th. We have reported on the policy implications of the virus on a daily basis, and we will continue to do so as the pandemic remains with us. But today, we are going to do something a little different and focus on one story. It is a story of a small town, largely African-American, in rural Georgia. And it is from a personal vantage. One of our CQ Roll Call reporters, Clyde McGrady, grew up there and still has family there. As we have reported in this podcast, COVID-19 has hit the African-American community with disproportionate force.
1: That thing is, you know, when white people get a cold, black people catch the flu.
0: That is Clyde McGrady expressing what the statistics are showing. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's most recent data show that 30% of COVID-19 patients in the U.S. are African American, even though they make up about 13% of the population. We began the conversation by asking Clyde why he wrote this piece.
1: It's been on my mind a lot, you know, where I'm from in rural Georgia is having one of the worst, you know, COVID outbreaks. So I thought a good way to kind of deal with that would be just to to write about it and, you know, but kind of a personal face with what the people are, you know, going through down there.
0: So indeed, a personal take. This is the area of Georgia that you are from, that where you grew up. What part of Georgia is it? What's it like?
1: It is southwest uh Georgia it is the second congressional district pretty rural a lot of agriculture a lot of farms um i talked in the story about you know driving from the airport past cow fields and like the smell of manure like wafting in the air but i am from the county next door in Albany which is in Doherty County that has about 90,000 people it is kind of the most populous uh area down there i'm from a place that's even more rural than Albany But I spent a lot of time there, you know, as a kid because it was kind of the big city is what we called it, even though it's small by most people's standards.
0: And what are the demographics of the area? It is majority uh,
1: African-American. I think Albany is about 74, 75 percent black. And the district, um, I think, is a bit more than 50 percent black, if I'm not mistaken.
0: How do the people there do economically?
1: Albany, uh, the city has, I think, about a third of its population uh, living in poverty. I know education is a big jobs creator down there. And, you know, like I said earlier, agriculture, a lot of people still farm down there. You know, cotton, soybeans, blueberries, corn. Um, I think those are some of the major crops.
0: And you mentioned that COVID-19 has uh, taken a toll there. Can you give us a sense of what that's been?
1: Yes, yeah, so it supposedly started with a funeral, which, if you know anything about the spread of coronavirus, I mean, a funeral is just the worst place as far as, you know, social distancing, because everyone is hugging, you know, kissing each other, shaking hands, eating food, uh, crying. when you cry deeply, maybe mucus. You know, they run out of your nose and, you know, you wipe it away and you're still hugging and shaking hands. So that was, you know, what public health officials call super spreading event. And a couple of weeks after the funeral, a lot of people in his family just started getting sick. Some died, some went to the hospital, some got terrible symptoms. And then from there, you know, it, it just spread and became such a terrible situation and at last count, you know, hundred and seven people have died. And, you know, that's more than Fulton County, which is where Atlanta is. And Atlanta has, and Fulton County has like a million people, whereas Doherty County only has, you know, ninety one thousand. And now it's starting to spread to some of the, the neighboring counties like Sumter, you know, Lee Worth, Baker, and that southwest uh Georgia Pocket.
0: Well, give our listeners a sense, this You not only has struck fear in the community, but it's also really deeply affected the rhythms of life there. Talk to that a bit, if you could.
1: Yeah. So one of the you know the most important institutions you know uh, in the South, especially among Black Southerners, is the church. And I spoke with a pastor about what he sees his role for his community is and the challenges, you know, that they're facing and adjusting to this post-coronavirus world. And, you know, he's trying to be kind of an informal resource center, providing information about the Paycheck Protection Act or how members can, you know, get access to financial aid or what's going on with unemployment insurance. But at the same time, you know, he's had to lay off some of his workers because, you know, the donations are kind of drying up now he's also you know trying to keep people's spirits up through uh through mass text or going to social media he's doing his sermons now on you know Facebook live and one of the things he he talked about was you know they weren't able to do their traditional you know Easter play and you know how that affected them and I don't know if you've ever you know been to a black church in the south but it's a very I call it a very interactive experience because very vocal. Um, there's, there's music playing a lot and, you know, passes do this kind of call and response thing with the audience. And it's just this way to, um, like, establish a connection. And that's hard to do, you know, over the, over the internet, you know, through somebody's um, computer screen or tablet. So he's trying to adjust to that. And, and you know, that's been tough for
0: them. Indeed. I and mean, what's the effect, what's his take on the effect on the mental state of his parishioners?
1: One of his ministers lost five family members to coronavirus. One member wasn't allowed to, you know, they they moved to these gravesite funerals with no more than 10 people. And one of his members um, had to bury a husband and was not able to, to get out of the car, he called it like a drive by funeral, but just you know she's also infected, so she wasn't able to get out, just had to drive by, and I can imagine being married to someone for years, and that's how you have to say goodbye. It's just such a tragic situation, so he said he's worried that some people may have p t s d from this experience because it's hard for them to to currently process it and he's He's very worried about his his congregation right now.
0: Now, a lot of disturbing data has come out about the disproportionate toll that COVID-19, the coronavirus, has taken on the Black community. Uh, They're more likely, it seems, to get the disease. They're more likely to have a severe outcome, to die from it. Um, You mentioned in the piece that there's an old saying in the community about illness. So talk about that and how, how the people in that area are viewing the racial disparity issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That thing is, you know, when white people get a cold, black people catch the flu. It's not specifically talking about health. It's just, you know, when something bad happens in America, it typically falls on, you know, more vulnerable communities. It hits them harder. So, I mean, you I pointed to like the unemployment rate, is, you know, typically higher among black communities. Regardless of what the the macroeconomic conditions are, you know if it's high for everybody, then it's even higher. If it's lower, it's still higher among blacks. so that's one example, but
0: are they feeling angry about that? Are they feeling hopeless about that what are what's their emotional feeling about this apparent disparity?
1: you know I talked about the church being such an important you know institution. Uh, a lot of people have talked about you know uh, leaning on their faith and how much they're praying and trying to stay in touch with loved ones, just trying to find, you know, a silver silver lining out of this. As far as the disparities, um, I think it's sadly some you know some black people are kind of resigned to it and and used to it, you know, as not a not a very new phenomenon. So it's kind of one of those things you just you know put your head down and try to get through
0: it. There was one bright note, I thought, in your piece uh, that touched me, which was that the many tragedies going on there have also brought out a sense of charity and fellowship between people, even across racial lines. That's unusual.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, That's uh, Pastor Smith, the the man I interviewed, um, just brought that up. Um, it was one of the first things he talked about when I asked him how things were going. Um, As I mentioned, you know, um, Southern churches tend to be uh, segregated along racial lines, but, you know, one of the biggest um, white churches in Albany, he said, has been, you know, bringing aid to you know, I guess, quote unquote, the the black part of town, which is the south and east sides of Atlanta. You see you know, white churches having their vans, you know, pull up to drop off food and just trying to help in any way it they can. He says his neighbors have um also just been, you know, generous, you know, with their with their time and and just checking on how people are doing. So yeah, that that was a a, a silver lining through some of the chaos that's going on down there
0: now, one thing in the news, of course, this week is that Georgia, is leading the country in reopening its economy. The governor there, Brian Kemp, a Republican, has uh, moved to reopen beauty salons and shops and bowling alleys, and it's co- it's quite controversial. Some people say it's, it's too early to do that, too risky to do that. Did you get a sense of how the black community in rural Georgia felt about that?
1: Every Tuesday and Thursday, Albany, um, they have their uh press conferences and i and i watched the one tuesday and a lot of the city officials could barely uh disguise their contempt for what brian Kemp is trying to do with reopening um parts of of the state even with the mask on you know like you could tell how angry you know angry the mayor was they tried to you know they made sure to say we appreciate the help because Kemp is sending the National Guard down there to increase testing, but they were very upset with what's going on. You know, he mentioned, you know, we've got like 15 funerals this weekend, and you're talking about open up, opening up the opening up the state. Like, great for you, but what we're going to do? You know, this is up to us, and we're going to, you know, remain in lockdown or you know just make the conditions for reopening very, very, very tight. So I don't know how many. Of them are going to do that. I've been to the bowling alley in all in Albany, wonderful place, but I would not go there during a pandemic. I don't
0: think. Part of your story, of course, is your own concerns about your family and their well-being, and um, you being working in Washington D.C. and not being able to see them. How's that going? I mean, what, do you think you will be able to get home and see them at some point?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think like a lot of people, you know, we're just in this state of limbo and uncertainty, we'll have to see what the summer brings um, from, you know, the latest reporting that I've seen, you know, it's, we're kind of expecting it to maybe slow down the summer, but even at the same time, you know, it's, you know, my mom is in the, you know, the, the vulnerable age range. So it's like, do I want to even potentially, you know, expose her to it? You know, I usually fly into Albany when I go home, so she won't even go. She won't even go to Albany right now, so I, I just have no idea.
0: Yeah, it's a quandary. A lot of us who have uh, the children of elderly parents are facing. Clyde, thank you so much for sharing your reflections with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sean.
0: Listeners who want to know more can find the story on RollCall.com. I highly recommend it. That's our CQ on Congress coronavirus special report for today. We'll be back Monday with the latest. For all of us in the CQ Roll Call newsroom, I'm Sean Zeller.